guys, it's Paul from Good Times and Bad Movies here. Before we start the episode, we just want to let you know, if you like what you hear, give us a follow on our YouTube channel or Instagram page at Good Times Bad Movies Podcast. We're always posting little clips and extra things that don't always make it into the episode. You can also download the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Podcasts. Enjoy the show. I understand you're now making a movie. Yes, we, in fact, it's done now. It's a movie called Never Too Young to Die. Are you a different person there? Yes, I play a different person. I play a character whose name is Velvet. Mm-hmm. How did it feel to be a man and a woman at the same time? <clears throat> did you make love to a man or did you make love to a woman? Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Good Times with Bad Movies. I am Tim Morrison, joined as always by my amazing co-host, Paul. Yeah! Ireland, how are you doing, Paul? How are you tonight? <laughs> that was fantastic, Tim. That was just, can I just, first of all, before we get started, tremendous. That was tremendous. Thank you. You like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah! Yeah! <laughs> I'm doing well, man. I'm doing very well, sir. Very excited. How are you today? I'm really good. Really good. I'm quite excited because we are finally going to do another movie similar to Hard Ticket to Hawaii. This is a movie that I've had on high on my list for a long time. Uh, never Too Young to Die. Paul, have you ever seen this movie before? No, Tim. I have actually saved this. This is one of those movies that you've always uh, mentioned. I think since I think when we started out the podcast, you were like, there's a movie that we need to watch called Never Too Young to Die. And you kind of gave me a little bit of a quick rundown. Which I didn't believe at first, honestly. I was like, there's no way this is a real thing that he's talking about. Uh, so just always never decided to watch. Just like over the top. I was like, I got to leave it until we're just going to do this one day. And I, I watched this the other day for the first time. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to shut up because I want to get right into this. Man. <laughs> yeah, this movie is a lot. A lot <laughs> to take in. Never Too Young to Die came out in 1986 and was distributed by MGM Studios. This movie is starring... John Stamos and uh, some what's what's this girl's name? The this girl's name, Tim, apparently is Vanity. I guess Vanity, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, and I, didn't, I mean, I I didn't know this girl, but then I also knew a song she did. So she was in some pop group in the early eighties. Um, I figure it's, but you know, okay. So it's a quick sidebar here in Beverly Hills Cop. Axel is in, I think he's in the strip club. And then there's a song playing, like, it's, it's called Nasty Girl. It's like, dun, 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 I'm a nasty girl. Dun, dun. It's, oh, okay. This girl is the <laughs> singer. She's the lead band, the lead singer in that band uh, that sang, sang that song called Nasty Girl. So that's her. Her name is Vanity. Yeah. And it's like, anyways, I got, I got, I could go on for 20 minutes about that. <laughs> so yeah. And, and she plays this lady named Danja Deering. Yeah. Danja. Danja. I, I thought it was Danya. That's what I thought it was going to be, but they, they say Danja. So I kept on thinking uh, Ganja because I think that's <laughs> it's quite fitting because I think that's what a, they were definitely smoking while they were, came up with this movie. Smoking the Danja. <laughs> so her and also starring the lead, one of the lead singers and bass guitar player from the, the uh, rock band Kiss, Gene Simmons. So just to give you an idea of what we're talking about here, and keep in mind, listeners, that this is an old movie, so we're going to find old ideas and old things that people didn't, you know, get. So we're just going along with the movie. I don't know if it's if that's necessary to say anything here. Well, you know, it's a product of its time. This movie is a product of its time, Tim, I think, whatever. That's just, we're going to take the ride here, folks. You're in this one or you're not. So this is, yeah, it's going to get strange. We're just telling you, we're just relaying what the movie told us. Starting with the IMDb uh, premise here. Okay. (laughs) So, yeah, it's action-adventure comedy. After a top-secret agent is murdered, his estranged son, a high school gymnast, teams up with his dad's attractive female partner to stop the psychopathic hermaphrodite gang leader who killed him and now plans a major terrorist attack. What a mouthful that was. Yeah, there was no easy way to explain that. I guess they're just like, here you go. Here's a word salad. And it's it's something else too as well. We're going to find out in this movie. Tim, I'm really excited. Can we just start talking about this? What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I think we should we should definitely get into this. Yeah! So this movie starts out in, I guess, an unknown location, but it appears to be a dam. And it's nighttime 
and I guess on this one in this one particular area of the dam is uh, the headquarters for the villain of this movie named Ragnarok. Uh, that's the the uh, hermaphrodite that the IMDb was referring to, <laughs> and Ragnarok basically looks like a drag queen for the most part. I would say Gene Simmons in drag, which isn't too far off from his actual, you know, kiss gimmick either. Gene Simmons in this movie, he kind of looks like John Travolta doing Dr. Frank Frankenfurter from Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, yeah, okay, I could see that, yeah. And he, he even kind of sounds like him in this movie too. I honestly think they, like Gene Simmons... Probably, I mean, we're going to find out he does not know how to act in this movie, okay? So I feel like they were like, have you ever seen John Travolta in anything, man? Like, have you ever seen, like, Midnight Cowboy or whatever it's called? Uh, or, you know, have you seen Saturday Night Fever? Like, have you seen anything that this guy is in? And then they were like, do that. And this is what he did. I think he, for some reason, he kind of reminds me of the Fat Witch from the Hocus Pocus. When the rides around the the vacuum, you're right. Yeah, yeah, the vacuum cleaner one, only with like a with like a giant giant wig, giant curly hair, frilly frizzy, curly wig, huge. It's poofy hair, very poofy, it's super poofy. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's it's a Frankenfurter hair. That's what that is. They're just like also too sorry. Just the, the scene that we roll up on here. This is kind of like you know in in the Lost Boys where the sexy sax man is playing and there's a lot of like fire going on and people aren't wearing shirts on the beach. For some reason, that is just happening inside of this dam, apparently. I don't don't know how that happened or why this is happening, but it's almost like a scene out of the Warriors or something. Yes, yeah, it is a lot like the Warriors or kind of even like Mad Max-ish, kind of. But they remind me, it's funny you said the Lost Boys, because you're referring to the vampire movie. Yes. I would compare them to like, like, I think they're called the Lost Boys from Peter Pan, only like they're all growing up homeless. (laughs) Like, this is basically just Rufio's clan, with, but they're just, like, addicted and homeless, I would say. These are some sketchy-looking people that we're going to find out in this movie. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, I don't want to take too long in this, and I'll, and I'll shut up in a second here, but really, we're going to find out here. The, the line is blurred between, is this a dystopian reality? Is this the future? Is this now? Uh, this, this whole thing and everyone's aesthetic, like, it, it's almost night and day. To what's going on in this? Like, is uh, this guy Doctor Frankenfurter or whatever his name is, Velvet or Ragnarok or like? It's a lot of people. Gene Simmons, him and his gang look really weird, and then everyone else in this movie is going to look really normal. And uh, I'm going to play you just so you can have just so you can have an idea of like this over the top performance that Gene Simmons gives here. I got to play you a clip. You're right, Tim. We should play people a clip here, and just like. Again, sorry, I'm really excited here. Just like in The Fanatic, you know, we talked about like, Travolta, oddly enough, and the success of the man that he has an airport at his house, okay? Like this man has an airport attached to his house. John Travolta does, right? Gene Simmons, okay? I looked it up. His net worth is somewhere around $400 million, Tim, okay? This man is worth $400 million. This guy named Velvet in this movie, okay? And this is the first piece of dialogue that we're going to, just like in The Fanatic, this is the first piece of dialogue we're going to get in this movie to set the tone of what this movie is like. Gene Simmons, out in drag, he's going to hit us with this line. Yeah, this is Ragnarok addressing his, his gang here. My little turd balls. My little scumbucket. He really does look like Travolta. Yeah. And he's got this, like, he, he almost like does a voice of the Joker, like like the car, the cartoon Joker. Anyways, he's basically addressing his, the whole gang here. Um, they don't really have a name, but we'll just call them the gang. These group of crazy people. Anyways, he tells them that he has a new plan to, I guess, for his next domestic terrorist act. Uh, he is going to poison the water system. And thus poison the city because, you know, they're at the dam here. So, uh, oh, and they also say it'll take them about 20,000 years to clean it up. Like, it's forever, forever poison. I don't know how the hell that works, but they basically say that it's forever poison. So here's, yes, can, I, can we, maybe we should clarify this real quick, Tim, is 
Diablo Canyon, it, this, is, this is supposed to be a power plant. And somehow this guy through the magic of computers is going to somehow divert nuclear waste into the sewer systems of wherever they are. And it's thus like poisoning the entire waterway and everything for a very, very long time. Um, but can I just say, that's not how things work. Okay. You can't just go on a computer and be like, uh, here, like the, like the, the, your nuclear waste, like that's not where that goes. It's, it's not even hooked up to like the city sewage. Like, yeah, it's like, it's like the nuclear waste is just like two pipes over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not like you're just like, you just hit a button. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, oh, here, we've just connected it to the city handily for some reason. Like that's anyways, plowing, <laughs> plowing ahead. So. Anyways, that's that. That's his plan. He's yelling it out to everybody. People are going nuts, screaming for him, shouting Ragnar, Ragnar. And while they're doing that, they bring out this girl who is like tied to not a cross, but some kind of a, a fixed object here, a pole, I guess you could say. And she's laying down. And Ragnar, Ragnar says that he has. There's one slight hitch in his plan here, and that's that they lost a disc, a very important disc that has data. That will enable them uh, access to these dams or poison or something. So, I, and I think this disc has the actual program on it that's going to make this diversion of this stuff happen. Which, okay, well, we'll get to that later. It's essentially a key, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Somehow, this whatever's on this disc is going to make this happen, which is stupid too. So, this guy somehow, again, got this code or something and has it on a disc somewhere doesn't have it himself but anyways go yeah so that's dumb so this girl here is a secret service agent and she managed to i guess steal this disc and hand it off to one of her partners uh, prior to being captured unfortunately right now she is captured and she's tied to this thing here and ragnar is standing over her and basically grilling her like tell me where it went tell me who you gave it to and she wouldn't say so ragnar here finds out that stargrove is the uh person that got this disc right and we haven't met this guy yet but anyways he decides that he's going to kill this agent anyways and you're wondering like what's he going to do and he has this like really sharp fingernail and then you start hearing the the uh, people chant they're saying the finger <laughs> so he does it he shoves his finger into her chest <laughs> and she's dead i don't know if he has like poison in that finger is that what is it like dipsy dips it in something and no, it's like it's like it's like a really it's like a metal Lee press on or something. It's like one of those, you know what I mean? Like it's just it's just a yeah, that's what it is. It's like a really a sharp cocaine nail that you just kinda just put on that's metal, I guess, is what I could if <laughs> shouldn't even know what that is, but yeah. That's anyways, I gotta shut up. So So she's dead. <laughs> that all happened. He um he laughs maniacally. And then the music gets like really fun and upbeat. And it's kind of like this uh, nice montage of John Stamos uh, doing gymnastics and acrobats. Only it's clearly not him at all. <laughs> it's just kind of blurred. And he's never facing the camera when there's a flip or anything. It's a double. Yeah, this is exactly what I'm talking about, Tim. Okay. We were just at the Lost Boys Mad Max dystopian world. Now we are in Footloose. Okay. What is going on? Where are we? Where is, is the world normal? Are these people just like the warriors? Like, what is happening? Has the world evolved into factions? Is there some sort of civil war going on? I don't know. They don't really explain that part of this movie. Like, we're not really in the future at all. This is just a normal world. But these guys are dressed like they're in Double Dragon. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it doesn't really make sense at all. So... And they don't really explain that part. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very, they're, they're, it's a very, they're a very bizarre group of terrorists. I guess you could say is this the, the only way to really say it. This switches gears right into uh, a university, where a very young uh, John Stamos is doing gymnastics and acrobats, and he's a, uh, I guess he's got a tournament or something or some kind of a th important thing coming up. John uh, Stamos there meets his buddy, who's kind of hanging out the window. 
and he's got a, a giant, it's like a, a remote control thing set up. This guy in this movie, we're going to find out his name is Cliff. To me, this is like John Stamos's Q. This guy is going to have like little gadgets we're going to see throughout this movie that he's going to be hooking up John Stamos with. And the first one of these things that he hooks him up with is like a, a little receiver for his wristwatch. And John Stamos is in some sort of, I don't know what it is, it's like a science class or something. And he's getting answers remotely through his wristwatch. I guess he's like punching in numbers for this guy and and Cliff is is flipping through a book and, and punching back answers to him. This is a cool part. Uh, John Stamos goes over to Cliff's home and Cliff has like an Elon Musk flamethrower, okay? But it's not even just a flamethrower. This has apparently got a laser on it too as well, okay? <laughs> this guy, and he's now gonna like show off all his cool little gadgets he's got in his house, man. Yeah, and this is just a dorm. Like, like I'm just, I don't understand how he's able to get away with making all these dangerous things. And what is he doing in school? I don't know, something something smart people do, you know? Because he's, he's a smart guy. So science, science stuff, being a scientist, he majored in being a scientist. That's how smart I am, folks. So once they're done playing with the toys here, this uh, guy walks in, I want to say like a dean or something, and asks Uncle Jesse and Cliff here if their parents are going to join them tomorrow for parent day. John Stamos lies and says no. His name is Lance, by the way. I don't think we've said that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We could officially just declare his name is Lance. But like, it's it's Uncle Jesse. I don't know how often we're going to be using it. <laughs> so John Stamos here, he lies and says that his parent, his father is coming. But that is untrue because he really doesn't know what his father is doing. As far as he knows, his father is off working with some kind of an oil company. Yeah, it turns out his dad is uh, dressed like a Ghostbuster in the sewers, hanging out with someone that looks like Chuck Norris. I'm, I'm glad you said that. I thought the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I even wrote that in my notes. Yeah, I thought the same thing. But yeah, they're, they are. There's three agents, three Ghostbusters basically here. One being Stargrove, Uncle Jesse's father. The other one, Carruthers, a redhead. <laughs> he looks like Chuck Norris. But, oh, you know who he also looks like, Tim? He kind of looks like Neil Breen when he does his Neil Breen stuff in his movies and he puts the beard on and he's like fake Neil Breen, you know, like that's that's what he reminds me of. Yeah, he's a redhead. Yeah, a ginger Breen. Yeah, so and Carruthers <laughs> and this other guy who is not named. As we're going to find out here in a moment, he's not important to the story at all. They're all meeting up here in this sewer to blow a hole into an area that they believe is inhabited by by uh, Ragnar and his people, I think. Like, they're basically trying to infiltrate Ragnar's... His base? I don't know. Is it his base? Is that what they're trying to do? Yeah, his base. His, his home base is damn. Yeah, I think so. Or at least this is like they're tipped off that he's there, I think. Yeah, I think they're trying to stop him or something, isn't they? I don't even know what the hell they're doing. Honestly, that's how confusing this movie is. You're right, Tim. That bar just blew past me. They're just like... It feels like they're in the dam. They're in the sewers. I don't know what they're doing. They they get this they get this putty. Plastic explosives. Yeah, plastic explosives. They put it on the wall, and they set they set the detonation thing to go. So it's like counting down, I guess. And it just falls off the wall, and they have to run back over and put it up again, and then it blows up. I didn't, didn't hurt anybody. I don't know why they even bothered doing that. And then after that, then they started welding, and while George Lazenby, Stargrove. Older Stargrove here, while he's welding, Carruthers turns on the other uh, secret agent Ghostbuster person there and kills him. And then he attacks uh, Stargrove. So Carruthers has just like basically exposed himself as being a mole for uh, Ragnar. The old double crossed him. That's right. So basically, it looks like um, Carruthers knocked out the one guy. And he held up um, Stargrove at gunpoint there. And he kind of hits him and knocks him down and runs off at the start here. And uh, so they, you know, Stargrove and this this rando dude, the, the Ghostbuster guy, they get back up and uh, patches him up, patches up Stargrove and they go off. They run into this like corridor of this sewer thing now. Okay, right. And there's like bad guys that come at them with like a bunch of just shotguns and like M14s and like some pretty heavy stuff. It looks like, okay, these guys pull out an umbrella. <laughs> yeah. 
And what we're doing right now is exactly what happens in this movie. Everyone starts to laugh, and they're like, and I was at first, I was like, I was like, okay, I, I like, I, I can kind of see what's happening too, but it, it caught me off guard. I was like, come on, like this is what we're doing right now. We're we're getting umbrellas out, but of course, it's just like the the penguins umbrella. It's like it's like a bulletproof umbrella kind of thing, right? So they're blocking shots off, and they're firing back, and and slaying these dudes left, right, and center now. I didn't even know it was bulletproof. I thought they were just like, surprise, we've got guns under these umbrellas that they carry on them in the sewer for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, it's like, did you think that if you just shoot through the the umbrella that that would hurt somebody, you know? I don't know. But uh, yeah, it, I don't know why they wanted to do that gag in this. That, that made no sense, but they did, you know? So, But they, they throw a grenade and, and they run off down another corridor and they're, they're fighting more guys trying to get the hell out of there. Stargrove is trying to run away and eventually he runs in to Gene Simmons now and his lost boys. <laughs> And Gene Simmons is like, hey, give me this disc. I need this disc. So whatever, you know, I'm going to have this convoluted plan to to poison people with radiation in the pipe and whatever. So Stargrove obviously is just like, no, not happening, dude. So a battle ensues, basically. And, you know, Stargrove gets away and he runs up a set of stairs here. And we're going to play you a clip now because he's going to get into a gun battle with this guy who's got like a weird hair piece on the side of his head, just placed there <laughs> randomly. It's like, it's like a fascinator is what this thing, that's how it's placed. Like the, it's just a, a random hair thing on the side of his head on like a 45 degree angle. And he's going to run up and try to shoot Stargrove. Okay. And at one point it's kind of funny too. It looked like his hair piece just fell off. And then on the next scene, it was back in there again. This is just the continuity that's happening in this movie. And uh, Stargrove is going to shoot him now. And what happened next, I watched about four times in a row. <laughs> so let's just play a clip, Tim. <laughs> okay, so it's, it's, I know this is an audio podcast, so it's hard to do that justice for what, what, you, what we just witnessed. But we'll describe it like this. Basically, a dummy, just a life-size dummy, like similar to what you would do, like RSA, uh similar to what you would do uh, CPR on, it is basically just huffed over the side of a balcony and it's going to fall down like a few stories. And it's so obviously a dummy. Like, it's like, its limbs are like flapping like as it's, as it's falling down, right? His, his whole back just falls over a railing. Yeah, the whole the way it lands is like, a dra- it's like he's draped like a towel over... Over this railing, my hits. It looks so bad. <laughs> I love that. This, and that's that's just the first one in this movie, too, people. Just letting you know, there's a couple in store. Oh, yeah. Honestly, uh, like, I, I, you know, hard ticket to whole Hawaii had a few of them. This movie had a couple. I'm really on this kick of watching movies where there's just like dummies getting thrown <laughs> off balconies and stuff. Yeah, that's a popular thing. This is this is amazing. Can if you people out there, if you're listening to this podcast and you know more <laughs> movies like that, please please send them my way. <laughs> plowing ahead. Well okay. plowing not even very far ahead. <laughs> Ragnar catches that with Stargrove here, the old man, the old secret agent, and and Ragnar has a shotgun, and he's like, give me the disc, and Stargrove refuses, so he shoots him, he blasts him in the chest, and we see another dummy do, like, a whole, like, 360 backflip and stuff, it's hilarious, but Stargrove is dead, the secret agent, George Lazenby, he's gone. R.I.P. Ragnar... You know, Gene Simmons here, he could not be more happy with himself, more pleased with himself that he just killed Stargrove. And here's what he sounds like. (laughs) I'm glad you clipped that, Tim. I'm very glad you clipped that because that is a real laugh from a man, again, who, who is worth $400 million, folks. That's right. That's what Gene Simmons did. I just want to try and give you do the best I can to give these listeners like just a, how, a perspective of how just over the top this character is. It's nuts. Stargrove here, he didn't show up to his son's uh, gymnastics thing because uh, he's dead. And now... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. 
Hashtag facts. And then, so after the <laughs> gymnastic performance here, we are we go to the uh, funeral, his dad's funeral, and you know, <laughs> Uncle Jesse, Uncle Jesse here, he's pretty bitter about the whole situation because apparently his dad wasn't really around that much. He, uh, as far as he knows, he was always just out working in oil companies, and never had time for him. So. Anyways, he meets a few people there, like that, I guess, are also secret, secret agents. And they basically clue him in that there might was more to his father that he doesn't know. But in the meantime, uh, here's a, a farm that you've inherited. And he's like, okay, well, I'm going to go down to see this farm. So they go to this farm. So, yeah, Charles Tamos, he decides to go down to this farm here, uh, see what his father left behind. Before he arrives, we see the farm as it is now, and there is this girl, whom we mentioned earlier. Her name is Vanity. She is also a secret agent. Uh, super, I think she's like a former supermodel, or probably was a supermodel at the time. Anyways, she's a secret agent in this. And, and she's already being spied on. Because we're looking through, like, but I set up binoculars and watching her, like, kind of, like, ride the horses around and stuff. Anyway, she goes into this barn. And after she uh, hitches the horse up, she turns back, and there is this thug at the door, standing in, standing in the doorway. And I don't know how to describe this guy. He is a muscled, and he has, like, a chopped-up mullet sort of thing, like a pineapple head. Or, no, sorry, or like a, like a broccoli, head of broccoli or something. He looks like a broccoli-headed Rambo, honestly. But he's got like a crazy like mohawk, but it's not really mohawk. It's like long hair fanned over with like uh, like a Rambo kind of like, yeah, headband on. Like he is jacked, this guy. Well, yeah, and he has a scarf too. He's shirtless, but he has a scarf on. So she sees him. She immediately like does this like, like backflip thing and jumps up onto this area where she just puts herself against the wall. And just as he's about to try and whip her, he has a whip. I don't know why this terrorist doesn't have, like, a gun or a knife. Anyways, he tries to whip her, but the, she's at, like, a secret uh, a, revol- a secret revol- revolving door. So she does, like, a 180, and she's out of the room, and then it, one, it does another 180, and she comes back in the room. But this time, she's holding an AK-47. But it doesn't matter here, because just another guy drops from the rafters, too, and he's also, like, a Lost Boy thing. and He's got a knife. Uh yeah, and, and and they're just swinging at people, and and uh, Prince's girlfriend there is just just shooting people with an AK, and Rambo is trying to whip people, and John Stamos comes in the other side of the barn, and like he kicks down the door and stuff, and and all of a sudden like a, a horse or somebody just kicks over, uh, it's just chaos in and out because like someone kicks over some kerosene or something, and it gets into the lantern, and it, the fire starts right beside this box of grenades. It says grenades on the box in this barn. <laughs> That's why. Why would you not store your grenades in the barn? That's your your livestock and your grenades go in the barn, Tim. That's so they they barely get out, and this this barn explodes. So after that, they kind of just brush that off like it was nothing, and they go into the the house. Like, they're just kind of like standing around in the kitchen, and he's like still doesn't really even ask about what his dad was up to, like why any of that happened, and he's like, "Who are you?" And she's like, "I knew your father." And then another alarm goes off. So she grabs the AK-47 again and starts peering at the windows. But it turns out it's actually Carruthers, the dirty secret agent from the beginning that turned on uh, John Stamos' father. Yeah, that double-crossing Chuck Norris ghostbuster. While she is hanging out with Carruthers here, Carruthers informs her that she can find Ragnar, this, you know, this domestic terrorist at large. They can find Ragnar performing at... The incinerator tonight. The incinerator is like this <laughs> this ap- apocalyptic nightclub. Uh, uh, it's on the fringe, very fringy, <laughs> very fringy. You could say it's dirty. It's underground. It appears to be underground. It's it. It's like a car park. There's like people driving around and stuff in there. Yeah, yeah. Parts. There's people like with on motorbikes going around. This is a, this is a really tough place. Can can we say to uh, at the the 
whatever this place is called, the Greasy Nail. What's an incinerator? Sorry, I don't know how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, <laughs> it's the <right>. Greasy Nail. <laughs> <laughs> so at the incinerator. Okay. Uh, there's uh, a bunch of people <laughs> riding around on, like, motorcycles. Okay, but here's the dumb thing, I thought. Maybe it's not. You, you tell me, people, out there in the podcast world. Um, there's guys riding around on motorcycles, but they're, like, they have, like, you know, the the heads of, like, a horse on a merry-go-round? Yeah. <laughs> but they made them look kind of like, I'm going to, in quotations, metal, you know? They kind of put, like, some, like, scary stuff on them. Uh, they just look stupid. And I thought, <laughs> if you're an adult, a grown-ass adult, why would you do that? And, you know what I mean? Like, why would you put it, like, uh, like some guys, like, they showed up one day with their motorcycle. And the guy's like, hey, look at this. Put a horse head on here. And they're like, why? And he's like, I thought it looked cool. And then the next day, someone else did it. And they just like, yeah, it's kind of cool. Like, I, like, where did they all get that from? You know? So Vanity here, she shows up because she's, you know, she's a secret agent. She's on the hunt for Ragnar. So she shows up to watch Ragnar's performance. And, but she wouldn't let John Stamos come with. She's like, no, you stay back. Your father would want me to keep you safe. So he's just like, reluctantly stays back, but he secretly follows her. And he shows up right behind her and they go into this place together. And they kind of have some small talk and get some drinks. And she doesn't tell him why he's there. <laughs> she doesn't tell him why she's there. She just says that, like, like she lies. She says, I'm just wanting to get a little nightcap and relax tonight. So she takes him, like, that's her lie to take him to this crazy, this crazy greasy place. <laughs> the greasy nail. <laughs> yeah. It might as well be called the greasy nail. And then, then, Paul, we get, we get a performance from uh, Gene. Gene Simmons here. It's a lot different than your typical Kiss performance that you're used to. This is Ragnar. And by the way, Ragnar is going by a different name. Ragnar is going by Velvet. <laughs> Ragnar's <laughs> Ragnar's <laughs> side name, alter ego, is Velvet. Can we keep in mind here too? Again, I just I'm gonna hit this home so much. I'm sorry. Gene Simmons is worth $400 million, okay? That man is worth $400 million. I'm sorry. He got all it right. all from Kiss. So. Good for him. I mean, if I had that kind of money, I wouldn't do this. But, you know, just saying. This is what he did with his time. All right? <laughs> he thought this was cool. It's time for Velvet's set here. John Stamos and Vanity... <laughs> All these names are watching. Everybody, the whole club, the whole club completely stops what they're doing to see this performance from Velvet. Now, Velvet Ragnar here comes out dressed in fishnets, uh, very revealing uh, a body. Uh, she, Ragnar has breasts now, uh, and wearing fishnets. I can only really describe this, the, like what what Ragnar Velvet is wearing on their head. As something that you would think that you would, um, it, it's it's one of Cher's costumes. He he's basically wearing one of Cher's crazy, feathery, like huge headset out there. Your costumes. If you took like six boas and you just laid them vertically, you know, on the top of your head, that's what I feel like that is. Or it's like I, I'm pretty sure in Looney Tunes there was a giant red monster. That was like a big fuzzy thing. That is what Gene Simmons has emanating at the top of his head right now. It is massive what the guy's wearing. And he's got like, yeah, you said like a Marilyn Manson bodysuit, but it's like sparkly and has like rhinestones and glitter and and uh, a giant jock strap that he has on too. Well, and I think that this is supposed to be, I mean, this move, like I said, this old, but this is supposed to be a reference to uh, to him, Velvet being a hermaphrodite because Velvet uh, starts to sing this song. That I mean, I, I've got to play a clip, right? Like we've got to. Yes. Okay. Let's play a clip. So this is Ragnar taking the stage slowly to this like very slow, bassy kind of like a grungy '80s rock, a very slow because this is supposed to be a seduction. Ragnar is playing a little bit of a seductive <laughs> tease here. Because he, he, Ragnar is like half naked, like is near naked, by the way. Like we haven't gotten that across. So seductively, 
Ragnar Velvet here begins to sing. <sighs> yeah. Can't say seduction is in the eye of the beholder, okay? <laughs> this is a terrorist. <laughs> Takes a man like me to be a woman like me. Yeah! <laughs> While he's doing this, <laughs> so while Velvet here, Ragnar, a terrorist, is doing uh, their performance on stage here, Vanity and John Stamos nearby while they watch. Vanity tells John Stamos here, "Hey, you know what? That's the that's the person that killed your father." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like do you do you see? Gene Simmons up there. That person with the jock strap on is the person that murdered your dad. So after the performance here, John Stamos uh, manages to get his way backstage to try and get a an autograph from Ragnar. And he poses as like like a fan, which and I don't know. I don't know. He doesn't do a very good job of lying in my in my opinion, because even Ragnarok here <laughs> Ragnarok, even Ragnar here, he he knows that something's up. He recognizes his eyes. He says, probably because he recently killed his father. Yeah, well, he, he, Gene Simmons is is driving to the hoop on John Stamos. He's just putting the moves on on Uncle Jesse there. At least he's trying to. When Gene Simmons goes behind like a little, I don't know, we call it like a little changing kind of wall thing. Uh, John Stamos slips out like a little listening device and puts some gum in this thing and he like slips it behind a, looks like a, like a little cow's kind of head, cow skull or something like that. He slips it in the back of that and, uh, he just, he tries to fake out Gene Simmons and, and get out of the room. Ragnar here, he instantly knows what's going on and he is like, he has this little transmitter where he just like tracked down a little bug and pulled it out of the cow's head or whatever was on the wall there, like you said. And flush it down the toilet. So after John Stamos gets out of that weird creeping dressing room with, with Gene Simmons there, he goes outside and there's this drunk guy. He's giving a hard time about his about his bike or whatever. And he tries to steal John Stamos's bike. And as he, again, tries to, to turn on Uncle Jesse's bike there, the bike just explodes in front of him and blows everybody back. And John Stamos gets out of there and he goes over to Cliff's place and he grabs the keys off him for his motorcycle or something. And he's got to go see this this Danja girl because he thinks she knows something or she's behind it, I guess. And we have like a little bit of kind of almost like like the, now that you mentioned the other guy who played James Bond. There's kind of like a James Bond chase in this movie now. We see with uh, you know Uncle Jesse going across the desert here and his motorcycle chasing her in a, a little top and a little um in a little sports car. Hot on their tail is like another these terrorists, these crazy cyberpunk weird guys, and. Uh, They've got their merry-go-round bicycles or their merry-go-round motorcycles. Yeah, and they kind of have like a back-and-forth chase a little bit. She runs a few of them off the road, but eventually up the road, they throw down this tire spike, and she goes through it, and they basically get mobbed. They they manage to kill a few of them, but they both get mobbed, and Uncle Jesse gets captured. They both get captured. Uh, It would seem as though he's like knocked out or something, and then instantly we're back at the farm. He's like back at his dad's house on the farm farmland here. And I really like this part. He goes into the kitchen and there's two goons there waiting for him. So apparently they just like brought him back here to his dad's home so that they can, so that they can like kind of basically coerce him into revealing where the, the disc is. And I think at this point he doesn't even know where the disc is himself. So they slam his head into the sink and they keep doing this move where they just slam his face back and forth through dishes, like just thrashing his head around, breaking dishes over and over. And then they lift him up. And they're like, oh, you want some more? And they smash his head through some more dishes. These guys just kind of basically bully him and beat him up around this house. And then kind of out of nowhere, he just develops like mad fighting skills and kicks the crap out of these two. And chases him out with a, throws him through the window of the home. And then chases them out of the yard with a shotgun. So anyways, after that's over with, uh, he finds this like little coin. Well, you know, you know what happened there, Tim? It actually is... um. He had a necklace that fell on the ground and started to glow. So this necklace, and I think we kind of forgot to mention this at one point. He he gets his necklace now, and uh, it's it's it, he finds out it's his dad's necklace. Okay, and it says Stargrove on it. So and everyone knows that it's like 
the Star Grove necklace. Because at the beginning of the movie, the this girl, the girl that got killed, she had this necklace on, and and Gene Simmons was like Star Grove. So, I mean, I, I kind of had a question just about that initially, and maybe I'll just quickly get this out of the way. If you're a secret agent, right? Why would you have a necklace with like a symbol on it, right? Because a symbol is a calling card. You know what I mean? Like Prince is a symbol. Batman has a symbol. It's it's not really inconspicuous. Do you know what I mean? It's like McDonald's has a symbol, you, you know? And apparently it's his real name too. Like on there. It's like, yeah. It's not even like a, it's not even a, a, a moniker or not. Or not a moniker. Yeah, just like a secret identity. It's our actual real name on a necklace. <laughs> but the necklace falls on the ground, okay? And for some reason, like the floorboards start heating up and like glowing and and flashing and flickering and he slips this this coin like well it's like a, a pendant kind of like necklace thing into this slot and it it's like a key and it opens up the floorboard now for some reason again like if if you're a secret agent why would you want something that if you dropped it on the floor it's going to give away your secret spy lair because that's what happens here so yeah, he discovers that his dad was actually a secret agent and all this stuff. And I guess now he's like kind of like out for revenge. Like he's really into this secret agent game and he wants to take part. Meanwhile, we go to Ragnar's lair where he has Robert England on a computer. Basically, by the way, Robert England is from, he's most famously known for playing Freddy Krueger. So anyways... <laughs> he's basically here using this computer and just talking about the jargon, uh, detailing how he's going to help poison the uh, the water system. So Uncle Jesse here and his uh, his friend from earlier, Cliff, they decide that they are going to go and try and rescue Vanity because she is still held captive by Ragnar's crew here, and uh, they're in this like random little steel mill, I guess. I, I don't even know what I don't know what this place is, but it looks like an abandoned factory, and they're trying to get the uh, you know the location, the device, out of vanity here. So they've got her strapped to like basically a steel slab that is heating up. They're basically trying to fry her in, in an incinerator. Is this might actually be now that I think about it? I think that his lair is the incinerator. Oh, the maybe that's what the bar is called. The, the bar, like the, the where he performs. But it's a real incinerator. I don't really, yeah, they don't really explain all that. Yeah, because there's, there's an incinerator here. Anyway, sorry, getting off track. B- back in broad daylight here, Vanity is held captive here, and she is placed in the incinerator. And Uncle Jesse and his friend here, they manage to break into this place and rescue Vanity from the uh, this, this incinerator. And they all escape alive. And then now we are back at, I guess, their secret agent headquarters, sort of being debriefed with um, Carruthers, the redhead guy who's the dirty cop. So Carruthers has a new plan. He says that Ragnarok is not going to stop. He'll stop at nothing to get them, and uh, especially Stargrove. So he has a plan. Carruthers has a plan here that he's going to use John Stamos and Vanity as bait, and they're going to lure Ragnar out of hiding and like basically come and try and get them. So their plan to lure him is kind of this really awkward scene that happens here. I want to try. I don't want to spend too much time on this because there's so much more crazy stuff that happens in this movie. But basically, there's they're very flirtatious around this uh, little cottage house, and he he is like entranced, like almost in a, to a, a, a creepiest kind of extent here where. She starts putting on, like, body lotion or sunblock. I don't know what it is. And he is just, like, ogling her like crazy. Like, he even takes a chair and sets it down and just stares at her with his hands and his, like, cup in his face in his hands. It's weird. Carruthers is, like, standing up on a hill, like, with the other secret agents. And he's, like, he's watching them through binoculars. And then he decides to tell, he's like, he's like, all right, Ragnar's going to come here. Ragnar's going to be here anytime, and we're going to get him. And he sends off um, John Samuel's friend to go get something, and then we just see him get clobbered, like kind of out of out of view from Carruthers here. We just see John Samuel's friend get clobbered. And it appears to be somebody wearing 
a uh, like the same kind of secret agent uniform that they all wear, which is like a desert <laughs> desert storm camo desert storm camo gear for some reason. Anyways, so we know that he's going. He's been taken captive now, and wouldn't you know it? It's actually Broccoli Head. He's back. The Broccoli Head henchman from earlier, whom we thought blew up in the barn, is back, and he looks. I don't know, just as weird as he did before. And then, this was kind of confusing, but this is what happened. A bunch of troops walk into the house where John Stamos and Vandy are, and they're basically disguised as secret agents, so that the secret agents on the hill watching don't know, the can't tell the difference. And they actually bring in a body double, too. I don't know how they managed to sneak all these people in there, but they bring in each a body double of the other person, like a twin, almost. Like someone that they found outside that like looked a lot like them and dressed them up in the same similar clothes and switched them out. So now, John Stamos and Vanity have been taken captive. They've been kidnapped and placed into a helicopter. It's being flown by Carruthers. Carruthers slowly turns around and reveals himself to actually be Ragnar. This is Gene Simmons. <laughs> Play this clip, Tim. Play this clip for the people at home. This is some prime stuff right here, guys. This is this is what you watch a crappy movie like this for. This scene. Carruthers and Ragnar. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he kind of looks like China. Yeah. <laughs> he like he he looks like this secret like this straight laced red headed secret service agent, and he reveals he takes off normal looking prosthetics to reveal like his normal drag queen looking self as Ragnar. <laughs> it is so over the top. It's hilarious. He's really really quite proud of. He's really quite pleased with himself. Like, you can just see him with the way he's, like, maniacally smiling and laughing and, like, almost, like, pointing fingers at him. Like, ah, ha, ha, I got you. Ooh, hoo, hoo. He, he, he. It's, <laughs> yeah. You know, it was, like, it was like that intro in The Office when Dwight kept dressing up as different people. Yes, like, it was just yeah. the backs of their heads. That is. It's the level of disguise and reveal when they show you this guy. It is amazing. That was that was pure gold when I first saw that because I was not expecting that at all. And just to see this guy who looks like Chuck Norris, like I said, and or Neil Breen, homeless Neil Breen. And he just pulls down the, gla- the glasses and he's got like a butterfly eyelash things going on off his face. <laughs> and he starts pulling off his beard. It's funny that he reveals more makeup, like the more layers he takes off, <laughs> that there's more makeup and all these like prosthetics actually on his face. It's really honestly that makes it more disturbing to me personally. That's creepy. Now that that we've gotten to that reveal, Paul, when you first watched that, did you, you do you notice that, that that was Gene Simmons the whole movie? Right? No, honestly, I got fooled. I felt like a dick. I was like, wow. Oh, you know, because I really wasn't paying attention because I was like, this is a dumb movie. And I was writing notes and, you know, I was looking at this guy Carruthers and he'd show up every so often. And I just kind of, I was like, this guy looks like, that's what I was like. I was like, looks like Neil Breen. Lol. <laughs> and I was like going on with my day. And then I saw that and I was like, I'm an idiot. Because <laughs> I'm usually pretty good at picking stuff out like this. And, uh, you know, I failed. I looked on Reddit just because I was curious about that reveal and how many people it like were tricked and stuff. And don't be so hard on yourself because it's pretty 50-50. A lot of people had no idea that that was Gene Simmons. Oh, it just pissed me off. I was like, son of a... Like, oh, I'm an idiot. I could tell. I it, To me, it was so obvious that I was like... The first time I watched this, it was so obvious to me that I was like, are they trying? Like, I wasn't even sure if they were trying to trick me or not. Like, I was genuinely confused as to what they were going for here. But yeah, so they're back at the uh, dam now, the, the incinerator lounge lair <laughs> bar and grill <laughs> right, right beside like seemingly attached to the dam here it's broad daylight and everybody is full tilt boogie crazy like absolutely nuts ragnar is sitting upon a throne outside while everyone cheers and he just has like this bucket of drugs that he gives out he there are a whole bunch of different colored pills and he's like here some placebo for you all and just like gives everybody drugs and brings out Uncle Jesse to basically interrogate him into getting this getting this disc again. But Uncle Jesse basically just kind of like 
with the tenacity of like a fourth grader is just like, I bet you couldn't beat me one on one and just starts like taunting him. And I guess he gets the better of uh, the better of Ragnar's pride here. And Ragnar decides that, yeah, yeah, you can take one of my henchmen on one on one in a street fight. Yeah. And he's going to fight Broccoli Head Rambo, Tim. Yeah. So he's going to let him fight Broccoli Head guy. And meanwhile, Gene Simmons ha- has vanity and is just like making it with her, shoving his giant tongue down her throat. And uh, basically, long story short, John Stamos just slightly gets the better of uh, Broccoli Head Guy in this hand-to-hand combat and manages to just like grab an AK-47 and just start shooting everybody. Apparently, it's like the only gun here in this place and he managed to grab it and just start shooting. And, you know... Everybody disperses. It's chaos everywhere. The Secret Service team shows up. They basically give a full-on assault here. And uh, now it's just Ragnar and his computer tech guy in the basement. And he says there is still a way that they can activate this poison thing or whatever, open the gates to unleash the poison in the water. And it is to use this remote briefcase. They have to be within a certain distance of, of, of this particular part of the dam. And he can start this process by a remote with this briefcase. If they could go ahead and just show up with a remote detonator, okay, and just explode this thing, why did we spend an entire movie trying to chase down John Stamos for this damn key? Why didn't he just, why did he just keep the plan to himself? Why is he like yelling at everybody? Why did he just not show up with Robert Englund the next day and blow it up with the remote? Paul, He's in the Secret Service. <laughs> okay? It's like, this is the reveal that we're like, it's hard to just, like, there's so much craziness that we still have to get to here. So we're just, like, breezing over the fact that we, it was revealed here that Ragnar is actually within the Secret Service. And it's so weird that he is, like, this Secret Service agent. And then on the other side, he's Ragnar, this crazy guy who just wants to poison the water. Surely, if you want to do harm on... Like, you know, mankind or something. He could probably do something like a better way while you're infiltrating the Secret Service. Giant shootout here. Uh, Ragnar steals this, this semi, semi truck. So they're cruising down the highway. John Stamos is chasing him on the dirt bike. Uh, Ragnar, Ragnar has, seems to have like a good head start. He gets out of the semi and he's carrying this giant silver brief, briefcase. I don't know how well we can do this justice, but here's our last clip. This is on his way to the spot on the dam where he needs to activate this uh, briefcase and, you know, poison the water. He is, like, maniacally just, like, running along. He looks like such a giddy witch. (laughs) Like, in his high heels, he is just, just like, bobbing back and forth, cackling the whole way down this huge, long trail, I guess, or I don't know, this pathway. And he snatches these these flowers along the way. And it just reminds me of like like what a crazy bride would look like running uh, out of a wedding uh, or something. He's just running down this giant aisleway by himself in broad daylight. This heavy dress, <laughs> this heavy getup, <laughs> swinging these flowers around. And he just loves it. I won! I won! He says, "He's crazy." I think he's just more excited that maybe he's he's thought that he's won. Maybe not so much the flowers. I think that's kind of that, that that's a cherry on the top for him. Maybe you know. Here's the showdown, Tim. John Stamos hanging on the edge of the railing here. What's gonna happen? You know, and there's a helicopter up at the top. We should say too, with uh, whatever her name is, Danja or Vanity, right? And it's crazy. She's got this like, it's a uh, it looks like a dirty hairy kind of magnum, but like with an extended barrel. It didn't really, it's not a sniper rifle, okay? You'd think in a helicopter, you'd have like a rifle or something. She's got like, a, again, like I said, like it's like a handgun with a, a scope on it. And she's like, <laughs> strike, trying to shoot this guy. Like this is the most useless part of this movie. I don't understand this part, okay? That's happening. John Stamos hanging on the edge of this railing, gripping on for dear life. There is Gene Simmons standing above him with this little metal riding crop thing that he's going to bludgeon him with. And all of a sudden, John Stamos is like, I just want to tell you that I think you're beautiful. <laughs> Gene Simmons is like, 
<laughs> he's like, he's like, yeah, baby, yeah. Or like, he didn't really say that, but he did something kind of like that. And he gets all like, he's into it. He's into it. Yeah, he's, he gets all frisky with him. Yeah. He starts sticking out his tongue and going like, like all creepy. So, so, so he like goes to make make out with him, and and all of a sudden, John Stamos grabs him by the hand. And he sticks him with his finger. He gives him the, his finger. Finger, finger. Finger. That's right. And then all of a sudden, John Stamos from the top ropes give him a Hurricane Rana. Just flips him right over the edge. And this dummy, again, folks, for the second or third time in this movie, goes flying off the top ropes. <laughs> like 150 feet down. It just hits the bottom. And again, you can see its <laughs> limbs like flapping in the wind because it's a dummy, right? It has no weight. It's just a straight up shot of a dummy for like seven seconds. <laughs> yeah, they just tossed the dummy down and jumped down over a dam. <laughs> There's one point we see it later on. They try to show you like it's like it's like the grizzly seed. <laughs> it's it's literally a, 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 a floppy dummy laying there, and then the head like separated like twenty feet yeah. on the <laughs> other side. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. It was top top marks to John Stamos for that move. I love that. That was that was slick. So that's it. Looks like uh Gene Simmons is dead. <laughs> Honestly, I watched that scene probably again another three, four times in a row. Just love that one. <laughs> and then he turns around and he's trying to disarm the bomb now. And he's having a really hard time. He's hitting in codes and stuff, I guess. And nothing's really working, it seems like. Okay, yeah. I'm the, this Paul, this really confused me. Keep go keep going, because I want you to explain to me what happened here. So he's, he's not, I guess he's trying to mishmash buttons or something. I don't really know what he's like. Does he have the key? Did he ever have the code? Did anyone ever say like he knows what the code is? I don't know. I think he's just trying to deactivate it right now, right? Yeah. It, we don't really, really explain that part. So all of a sudden, again, there's the girl in the helicopter, uh, Vi- what, whatever her name was, Vanity. She's up in the hel- helicopter and she throws down that Elon Musk kind of flamethrower thing and it hits the ground and all of a sudden starts smoking now. Okay, like this doesn't seem like this is going well at all for John Stamos here, but it doesn't matter. Uncle Jesse, he shoots this thing off, and again, it's just like a little like <laughs> I don't even know what to call it, like a little limp dick kind of <laughs> just grenade thing kind of comes out, and this this crappy yeah this this crappy grenade kind of thing comes out, and it just rolls and doesn't do anything, but then all of a sudden John Stamos hucks this case into the air. And throws the the Elon Musk flamethrower thing at it, and it explodes it in the air. And yeah, that's yeah, that's what happened. That's what I saw. So that stopped this thing from from doing stuff. Now he threw a gun at the briefcase, <laughs> and that's how he deactivated the whole bomb system. I does that? I, I, don't, I don't. I don't. I'm totally. It's totally confusing, man. I, that's the best I can do to understand it myself. So. He saved the day. I guess that that's what that means is that he saved the day. So it looks like the generals come in there and said, hey, good job, guys. You've saved the day. And uh, good work, Stargrove or whatever your name is. Yeah. And then we kind of see them like, I don't know, this may be a few days later. And they're just kind of like in the middle of nowhere on a hill with their doom buggy. John Stamos, his friend and Vanity. And they all decide that they don't want to be secret agents and they're going to go study at school. Like that's, and they're going to be together. John Stamos and Vanity are going to be together, but John Stamos wants to keep being a gymnastic because this secret agent stuff. He's not, he's not cut out for it, I guess. And uh, that is it. That is never too young to die. <laughs> this is so stupid. This is so dumb. This movie, Tim, was all kinds. Of just idiocy at every level. Like the writing in this makes no sense at all. Again, like we said, why did you didn't need any of this movie if you just showed up with Robert Anglin in a briefcase in the middle of the night and you just blew this thing up? Um, but okay, so I was just think about this too. Like watch this movie again for the second time. Again, correct me if I'm wrong. Okay, they were talking about nuclear. They were talking about like toxic radiation, like in weight, like nuclear waste, basically. Okay, and putting that into pipelines. They're trying to blow up a dam. If if I'm Again, maybe I'm stupid, you know, not really that smart. Got to say, guys, uh, the, a dam is hydroelectric. It involves no nuclear power. So blowing up a dam <laughs> would not release nuclear waste is what I'm trying to say, Tim. 
Do you know what I mean? Like that, like that, that doesn't really, there's a, the, multiple layers of stupid to this movie. I can't get my head around, like I said, I can't, I can't get my head around why, okay, this terrorist, I can't, I don't understand his motivations. So he's a terrorist who has successfully infiltrated the secret service. Like he is not, I mean, not just infiltrated, like he is a higher ranking. He works beside James Bond. But he moonlights as this drag queen performer named Velvet and as a terrorist named Ragnar. He has like three different, three completely different identities that nobody has pieced together at all. So he's Ragnar, okay, this terrorist whatever person, right, who owns a bar and grill. And has a band, which is interesting. I don't really know how that how those auditions worked, uh, or like maybe he just had guys like within his his terrorist organization. He's like, hey man, do you, do you like play drums or something? Or, I got this cool idea I want to try out. Yeah, or something. I don't know. But um, but he's Ragnar, and then his performance. He's on the stage. His performance is Velvet. Okay, but then he's gone in deep cover as Neil Breen's homeless. Uh, body double. That's that's what he is. You know, like that's that. So that is an identity. That that's a secret. I oh, you mean like when he's in the secret? You mean when he's in the secret service? Yeah, that's that's a secret identity. He's like going into infiltrate. So that's like you. That's like if Tim Morrison put on a disguise, right? But then you, Tim Morrison, had a rock band, and you were like whatever your name was, like the sexy sax man on your stage. So you know, what I mean, you'd be like you'd be Tim Morrison in real life, the sexy sax man on the stage, and then the. The terrorist guy or whatever terrorist it was. Terrorist by night. Yeah, yeah, right. So there's like levels and layers to that. And we don't get any motivations. Like, why does he want to poison the water? Like, why is he so hellbent on poisoning the water in this one particular city? It's not like he's trying to destroy the world, per se. He just wants to poison the water really bad in this one city. You know what, though? I will say, like, despite all this nonsense, like... I really enjoy this movie because it's just so nutty. Like, it's just so wacky. It's like the closest you can get to being a cartoon without actually being a cartoon. That's pretty good, actually. You've got something there, I think. This is this is ridiculous. This movie was is is ridiculous. I can't believe how insane this was. Again, another movie where they hurled dummies off of stuff, which is just like chef's kiss. Thank you. Please keep this coming. Like I said earlier, please, people, if you have these movies, it's good times, bad movies at gmail.com. Send them to us. Send them to our Instagram. I want to see more movies with dummies getting thrown off stuff and not like Midsummer because that was pretty like that was pretty hardcore. That was not cool. Oh, no, that wasn't that didn't look like a dummy at all. That was actually very that was quite disturbing. Yeah, that was like realistic looking dummy. And we're like CKY looking dummy. That's what we want. Like this was. This was choice because you just like, you know, this is a dummy sailing down. The body is like, it's amazing. It's just arms and legs, just akimbo, completely flying behind it. <laughs> like Ace Ventura, you know what Ace Ventura uh, in the second movie, When Nature Calls, he gets shot with the darts, th- you know what I mean? And he's running through the woods and both his arms get paralyzed. And there's one point when he stops and he looks left and he looks right. And his arms flop both ways. And then he runs off through the woods. His arms are flying behind him like SpongeBob. That is what this dummy looks like. And it every time. And the one that folded over the railing. Amazing. Just so good. So good. You know, just for that alone, I think it's worth the price of admission. Um, Gene Simmons, crazy nonsensical song. It was really bad. I got to say, though, like the music was like, did Gene Simmons make this music up? Because, again, I, maybe he did because it's mostly bass and it sucked. Maybe it's hard to say. Gene Simmons has gone on record as stating that this is one of the most embarrassing things that he's like, or sorry, one of the most humiliating things he's ever done. I mean, it, that's for good reason, too. Uh, but I mean, Gene Simmons is also shameless as far as like selling himself. So that guy's everywhere, you know, like, I, honestly, I would say like, the reality show is probably a little more embarrassing than this. I like, would think so. Yeah. But that's just me. I don't know. But, you know, again, that guy's worth $400 million. And I'm sitting here doing a podcast underneath uh, my cold cellar. So, <laughs> you know, who's winning this one? Well, I got nothing else to say about this movie. No, no. 
Better <laughs> leave it where that. Leave leave it with all that. You know what though? I really enjoyed this uh, because again, we just rolled into another crazy movie. We had Hard Ticket to Hawaii. We had this thing too. So I'm so pumped for whatever's coming up next. I think it's just going to be amazing. Yeah, might have to do another super weird one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was good, Tim. It's it's we're getting into summertime now, and again, you know, just because we did it on Instagram, and I didn't get to say it here, and I wanted to shout this out earlier, and I didn't get to do it. Just a real quick round of applause for me and you, Tim. Uh, congratulations, we hit a hundred thousand views on YouTube. Yay. That's pretty awesome, right? Congratulations! Clap, clap, clap. I think that's yeah, great. That's great. That's awesome. Again, just wanted to say this here. If if you didn't see on our Instagram page, I just want to say thank you to everybody. If you've ever watched a video liked it, subscribed to our, our feed or, or anything, just hovered your mouse over long enough that it counted as a view. I thank you, Tim and I thank you. We love you so much. Uh, we're just a bunch of nobodies and uh, it made us feel like a couple of somebodies for the day. So thank you again. We love you guys. This is a bit, yeah. this is amazing. Doing this has yeah. just been so fun. So It's a lot of fun. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. We're going to see you on the next one. We're going to let Gene Simmons take you out on this one. Just to don't forget Cause what you see, baby Is what you